Hi, Explorers. Thanks for listening to Kids Who Explore Parent Edition. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors. Hi, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm a hiking mom in the Canadian Rockies, Mama to Turner, and CEO of Kids Who Explore. I'm Lauren Rodick Eberly. I'm mom to Collins. We love being outside and exploring between our two homes in Seattle, Washington, and Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kids Who Explore's Patch for a Purpose. Every time we see our patch out in the world, we feel the love and support behind it. Our patches can be sewn onto backpacks, jackets, bags, or even baby carriers, to name a few. Or they can be carried in your packs as special adventure items for all your little explorers. Our patch comes in eight different colors, and a dollar from each patch goes to a, you guessed it, purpose. Your support can make a difference for all of the following charity groups, depending on which color patch you want to represent. Alberta Parks, Children's Disability, BIPOC and Anti-Racism, Sick Children, The Earth, Children's Wellbeing, Anti-Bullying, and Children's Mental Health. Check out the hashtag Patch for a Purpose to see our patch and the community behind it. That's hashtag Patch, the number four, a purpose. To get your patch today, visit www.kidswhoexplore.ca. We thank you in advance for the difference you are making. In episode 37, you got to meet Brittany Williams, who is from Knoxville, Tennessee. She has worked in early childhood education for nearly 12 years. She could talk risky play and bodily autonomy all day long. And on top of that, she's a wonderful stepmama who is all about getting her daughter outside on adventures to explore the world around her. Hi, Brittany. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back. Yes, welcome. So I know you're doing the thousand hours outside with Ava this year. How often do you get to explore with her and what does your outside time often look like? Yeah, we are. So I've been looking at doing the a thousand hours outside challenge, you know, for a couple of years now. And I think I always felt defeated by it because we have Ava every other week. So we're on 50-50 custody. And so our time outside is every other week with her. And so I thought, you know, this year we're just going to do it. And if we don't get a thousand hours, that's fine. That's not really the whole point. It's the whole point is to just be mindful in making a conscious effort to get outside. And so we try to do that on the weeks that we have her as much as possible. She's in sports right now. So that kind of helps, honestly, like she's outside all the time practicing soccer or playing soccer. And now that it's warm here in East Tennessee again, you know, we're getting back outside. We definitely are not cold weather people. So we're working on that, but yeah, every other week, you know, we're trying to get outside, you know, on the weekends and then, you know, after school as much as we can. And she's about to head to middle school. So honestly, the homework is quite a bit these days, but prioritizing getting outside with her is, is really the goal for doing the thousand hours outside challenge. How is it looking so far? Do you think you're going to make it? I think we're going to get halfway or a little more than halfway. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. She, I just kind of leave it up to her to fill her in her little squares and stuff. And so I don't know where we're at right now. Probably. I don't know. I don't know where we're at, but yeah, she's excited about it. She has, it was so funny. And I think it was in January when it, the kids who explored did the January challenge, like go find all of these things outside. I'm like telling her we have the whole month. And she's like, let's do it all today. Like (laughs) we've got to figure out a way to like pace ourselves with her. She literally did the whole board January 1st, the whole thing. I'm like, well, have like a couple of weeks. Like she's like, no, we got to do it. I'm like, okay. So she's pretty eager, which is great. I love it. Self-motivation. So good. (laughs) Yes. 
Last time you were on, we talked about how you can structure the day or an activity as a family and allow each kid to choose what they want to do within that setting. And that was just at the end of our chat. And I thought so much about that since that chat, because I think a lot of families feel like sometimes they are dragging their kids along, quote unquote. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So can you give some examples of this that you can think of either from work or from your time with Ava, how you can kind of structure the day as a family activity, but then let them choose what they want to do within that? Yeah, I think last time I was saying about how, you know, once the kiddos are a little bit older, you can even, you know, show them a couple of pictures on your phone or print them out and highlight a couple of different areas that are feasible for you all to attempt in that day. Obviously, you know, I think if Ava had, if we just openly asked her, where do you want to go? She'd be like, I'm going to go to the beach. We're like, okay, well, that's an eight hour drive. Like you obviously can't just do that. So narrowing down the options, if you're going to give them options, narrowing it down to what's actually feasible for you all is really key. And then with the younger ones, you know, I think I'd said at the last podcast that, you know, Ava's really into waterfall. So if I show her, you know, a couple of different hikes, most likely she's going to pick the one that has a waterfall if that's what I was highlighting. So I think, you know, that for the younger kids and, you know, telling them about that, even like the history that's, you know, behind the specific person or place that you're going to could be really interesting. And I think it's really about like what you know about your child and what their interests are. So if they're really interested in water play or like finding the waterfalls or, you know, they want to go somewhere that has lots of animals, you know, you as the adult could be able to research kind of those places and give them those options and let them choose kind of where to go. I'm rereading this book for the third time called How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen. And I love you saying that about the choices because they're big about choices, but also they talk a lot about problem solving. So if there's a bunch of kids and I don't know if you ever I found this in the classroom too. Everyone can shout out their ideas and you write it down on a piece of paper and no ideas are bad ideas. And then you can yeah. pull from there. Cause I then feel like everyone feels like they have a little bit of a say, even if it's not their activity that day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think we do that at work a lot where they will do the write down stuff. So they're going to be like, all right, everybody give me your ideas. And then they'll kind of map it out of like when they're going to be able to like come back to that topic. So when this year we were also trying to, within our family, make like a kind of like a bucket list type of thing and see like, you know, what can we do? Let's intentionally do something once a month and it was, you know, I think right before January came and we were writing down like the things that we would want to do each month. And so that is a great tool to use as well. Like you have, they have all of these ideas. So that's, you know, maybe a perfect time to help them like plan out their ideas. So like, okay, well, you know, you want to do something with water. Well, maybe that's not going to obviously happen in January or February. We're going to need it to be maybe a little warmer to really experience you know, kayaking or whatever it is that you want to do. So I think that is a great tool to use in your home life or even out of school. How can we as caregivers watch for what interests kids in the moments outside in order to follow their lead? So this is such a big part of being in the moment with the child. You have to be present. It is so easy to you know, be outside with a kid or even inside and be on your devices. They're on a device, you know, but if you're intentional about the time that you are spending with your child, you're going to just pick up on things naturally, right? If you are engaging with them, if you are listening to them, if you are even pointing things out yourself, they're going to have questions about things. They're going to wonder about things. That's just a natural part of growing up. Even as adults, you know, I'm going to go on a hike and be like, oh, you know, 
what is this plan or what is this? This is so pretty. And, you know, I think that we just have to really stop and slow down and ask those open-ended questions. So those are questions that don't have a yes or no answer. They're going to be, oh, well, what do you think about that? You know, I wonder why this plant grows here, but we've never seen it, you know, on any of our other hikes. Like asking those more in-depth questions that are going to get you know the kiddos thinking and really be like, yeah, let's talk about that. That's what we do. You know, we do it at work. We do it in our home life. It's so funny, Billy, my husband, he really can tell when I'm putting on my teacher voice and he's like, he just is like in the background, like loving it and eating it up. And like, like, yeah, that was definitely like a Brittany teacher moment right there. So I love it. I love the teacher voice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What are some specific areas then that you find you've taken Ava's lead? Definitely like when she was showing some interest in like hiking, she was big into, like I said, like wanting to find all the waterfalls. You know, we took her on her first hike and it was pretty extensive. Like I thought like, this is probably not going to go very well. You know, I set the bar really low for myself because it was her first one, but she was really eager to do it. And, you know, I thought that she was going to complain the whole time where I thought, you know, she she's got a lot of sensory things going on. So I thought, you know, her socks and her shoes are going to feel funny and all of this. So I think I was like making all of this up in my head of how, you know, this is going to go. And it just went the complete opposite. She, you know, wanted to stop a lot and look at the smallest little bugs that she could find. And, you know, so we kind of just went at her own pace and she really kind of led the way. One of the teacher things that I did on the hike was point out all the signs. So I really made sure that she was like understanding when you're hiking, it's so important to know the direction you're going and to follow the signs. So like we knew that the end hike was, you know, wherever it was and every couple of miles, you're going to run into like a mile marker and stuff. So I was making sure to point that out and just kind of show her those things. And then that led to her asking so many other questions about, is this like how it is on every hike? Do all of them have this? And she really did a lot better than I thought that it was going to go. I was just really thinking it was, we were going to have, you know, some tantrums or something, but she did great. As someone who's navigationally challenged, (laughs) I appreciate you teaching this to her at a young age. I'm hoping I can teach my children. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like kids want to like veer off the path. Right. So like, I mean, I do, you know, myself, so I feel like, okay, cool. Let's do that. But like, also let's know where we're supposed to be and, you know, the notice the things that you're passing, you know, have we, did we already pass this and like coming back down to like making sure that, you know, you're kind of back on track here. If you're going to veer off the path a little bit. It's nice to talk to parents of older kids too, because Adrian and I are in the age where we're working with toddlers. (laughs) So there's really good advice that can come from you that other people can take in. So I'm curious about two different things with Ava, with the age she's at. One, does she have any times where she's not interested in doing the activity that you guys are doing at all? And what do you do in that scenario? And then number two, (laughs) I know you're passionate about screen time. So do you guys have any screen limits or what does that look like in your house? Yes, we definitely do. During the week, so like Monday through Friday, when she has school, she is limited to about an hour of screen time. She is definitely getting to the age where she has um, a lot more friends who they like to video chat. And so at times we'll extend that if they want to like FaceTime each other and 
play games that way. She was actually FaceTiming her friend yesterday and they were playing piano together. So I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Like that's not, that's a little bit more than just, you know, being on your device and playing a, you know, a game or something that was kind of mindless. They were kind of like practicing together. So that was like really cool and cute. And they did that all on their own, but there are definitely times that she is not wanting to be outside and doesn't want to do the things that we want to do, you know, that are just like in our backyard. I will say though, luckily enough, if I say like, let's go turn on the sprinkler, she's like, yep, let's go. This is cool. But if we're like, let's go practice soccer, she's, you know, maybe not always as interested in doing that, but she's definitely old enough to know that you you can't just be on your device all day. It's not something that we're going to allow. And I am also okay with, you know, if you spend however much time outside, you can earn more device time, like later in the day or whatever. So we do that at times too, where once she's met her hour or hour and a half, if she goes outside and plays, rides her bike with the neighbors or jumps on her trampoline or whatever, or however long she can earn, you know, a little bit more screen time at that time. Yeah. And it's probably one of those things that once she's out there, she just stays longer than she expected anyways. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you get them outside, that's usually, I mean, that it's, yeah, like you said, it just opens up all the doors and especially if you join them. So, I mean, she's an only child and we do have some neighbors that are around her age that she likes to play with, but we've noticed that like, if we tell her, Hey, go outside and play by yourself, she's going to stay outside 20 minutes and be like, all right, that's what's good enough. Right. But if we do, if we role model, it's going to go so much better and she's going, we're going to have fun too. I mean, and I'm getting exercise, we're outside, we're, you know, enjoying the outdoors together. It's, we're out there for, you know, four hours. We know you're so passionate about risky play, which we actually think is a good thing, right? Risky play is a good thing. And last time we were talking about Ava climbing trees. I don't know if she's still interested in that, but what are some, maybe you could outline them for us. Like what are some risky play ideas that kids engage in that are safe still from maybe toddler age up? Yeah. So I was thinking about this a lot because a lot of times people will think about risky play and think about the tree climbing or whatever. And for kids, it's, they are assessing their risk first. So they're most of the time, not going to just, you know, go up and like climb a tree. They're going to assess how their body moves when they're climbing a tree or when they're climbing a rock or whatever it is. So it's so important for families to slow down and think about how they're kid is, you know, going about it. There are some kids that are going to just climb the tree without a second thought. And that's when you're, you know, the parent comes in and you say, Hey, I think you need to slow down. You're moving a little too fast. You know, I'm not sure that you are assessing your risk very well. You're not, you know, you're not really being mindful and careful about this. And that's really, you know, when you come in and kind of give them a guiding hand and then other children will just assess their risk on their own. So I think this just looks different for every child and every family. There's definitely, you know, go outside. There's risky play that can be had. It just really kind of depends on your area. It's just such a natural part of life. And we are so, I think, eager for our children to experience a lot of things. But at the same time, we can also hinder their experiences by telling them what to do too much or holding their hand too much, honestly. like walking and holding your kid's hand, that's precious and adorable, but they need to learn how to walk on their own and they need to learn how their body moves without you constantly being there. So it's just so important to kind of give them that free space to explore on their own. Does risky play and bodily autonomy go together in any way? Definitely. Because I think that, you know, kids 
have the say in what they can and cannot do with their body. So that goes, uh, you know, hand in hand with like risk assessment. You know, I do, I'm a firm believer in like, my kid does not need to hug you goodbye. You know, I don't, if they don't want to, they don't have to. And if she doesn't want to, you know, I have an example that, you know, like maybe when we were on a hike together with Ava and, you know, there's like a big river or something that we need to cross asking her about like, okay, well, do you, how do you feel comfortable crossing this stream or creek or whatever you're going to get wet. And if, you know, she wanted to get wet, she would cross it. She can make that choice on her own. If she wants to walk around the water, if she wants, you know, asked to be carried over it, like she can have that choice of what happens to her body. And that definitely goes hand in hand with outdoor play in taking, you know, those risks outside. I am definitely just a firm believer in the children have the say in what happens with their body. So it goes hand in hand completely with me. Do you have any thoughts about shame around any of these things? And I know it's just a internal thing, but let's say you're letting your kid do something and then there's other parents being like, why are you letting them do that? Or <laughs> whatever the kid is. Yeah. It is so hard as a parent to have a certain mindset and to be judged. Like we're at the playground and you just know that they are saying whatever they're saying about you. Cause how can you possibly let your kid climb this tree? I mean, when Ava climbed our tree in the front yard, our neighbors like ran out of their house and said, oh my gosh, please be careful. And we're like, we're right here. You know, well, I'm watching her. She has climbed trees before, you know, she, we're okay. I mean, definitely accidents can happen, but the shame that comes with allowing your kids to assess their own risk is definitely out there. And my best advice is just to like, let it go and be, you know, be okay with it because it is what you feel is best for your child. And they really have no, no part of that. Right. Be confident in your choice. Yeah. And do you also have any advice for taking the child's lead when there are multiple children on adventure or in the classroom? I know we suggested one solution of writing down ideas. Is there anything else you have for that? Well, really all I can say is you guys go on your hikes with these two-year-olds and there being like five of them, like that blows me away and props to you all because holy cow, toddlers are no joke. And I'm sure that is quite the adventure. Um, but I think that you know, it's okay to, you know, if there's multiple adults around, it's okay to split up. It's okay to be like, you guys go ahead. We need to hang back a little bit. You know, we've got a situation happening or whatever. You can stop and have a snack within the classroom. It's a little bit trickier. There's not usually, you know, one adult for every child, but if, you know, you're able to, in that situation to divide the groups up, that is what, you know, we would do at my work put them in small groups and kind of go based on that group's lead. But yeah, I think that, you know, you can still take the children's lead, even though there's multiple of them. It's like the perfect time to be like, we're going to, you know, kind of the sharing aspect of like, you know, everybody's voice matters. We're going to let, you know, whoever lead for the first five minutes, set a timer, be, be actually mindful of it. And then the next person can have their five minutes of, you know, going to the water or whatever they want to do. I think it's definitely possible and a little trickier, definitely to hear every voice, but every voice matters. And I think as long as you show them that, that will go a long way. Yeah. And you're really good about talking about expectations. And you made me think of that then too, when you're talking about multiple toddlers on hike, because recently we just went with 
10 toddlers, but like you said, there was Wild. one adult for every kid. So it was okay because if this person wants to take a break, okay, we're all just going to stop and look at the view for a bit. So expectations are a big thing. It's not going to be the same if you're going with 10 toddlers versus you're going with one other adult only. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, for sure. And I think that, you know, it's important to, you know, if you all want to stick together, you know, and, you know, there's a couple of children that need to take a break and have a snack, but your kiddo's like, I don't want to eat. I want to go, go, go. Like, it's okay to be like, okay, but they're needing a break right now. So we're going to respect that. And we're going to take a break with them. You may not feel like you need a break right now, but that's what we're all doing together. And then in two minutes, we're going to get up and we're going to start walking again. Yeah. And that's really good too. I like how you said that to you acknowledge their feeling, but then say, but this is what we have to do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It goes a long way when you acknowledge their feelings for sure. A very good tip like that. Is there anything else you wanted to mention today? I was thinking also about how to like take the children's lead um, while indoors as well. And a lot of things that we talk about at my work, um, when we talk about the materials that we provide for the children indoors, so not every day is an outdoor day, right? In your home life, you're not able to get outside every single day. And, you know, kind of like we were saying, it's so easy to give them a device and call it a day. And, you know, you do your own thing and your kid does their own thing. And most of the toys that you can buy, you know, in your stores that are geared for young children usually have like one purpose. So if you actually stop and think about it, you know, those you know, racetracks or whatever that you're buying for your children, they really have one purpose. You're going to use them that one time, that one way, and that's done. So I'd like to encourage families to think more outside the box and not getting those cookie cutter like toys for your children and really research what loose parts are. Loose parts are, you know, blocks, cardboard boxes, rocks, sticks, anything that has multiple purpose in, you know, their children's play. And then the children can really develop their own ideas about how, you know, to build their own race car track with, you know, the materials that you've provided for them. So that's also something that I've been thinking about. And, you know, when it's around the time of the holidays and there's a lot of gift giving, it's a lot of you know, those cookie cutter toys out there that, you know, they're are so eye-catching to the children, but you give a kid a cardboard box and I promise you they're going to play with it a whole lot more than, you know, the Barbie doll or whatever it was that you, you know, they thought that they really wanted their, I mean, if you've ever given a kid a cardboard box, they have fun for days. Ava sits in a cardboard box to watch TV like every day. She like makes her own little, like, I don't know, little sitting area. It's so cute, but so yeah. true. Yeah, no, that's so true because they get to use their imagination and it has a much longer life because there's so many different things you can do with it, which is why Absolutely. rocks are so great in the outdoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going to get bored real quick with, you know, the thing that makes noise or whatever it is. Yeah, get bored with it real quick. Okay, that's really good advice to take indoors for indoor days. Yes, yeah. Can you remind everyone where they can follow along with you? Yes, I am on Instagram. It is at bb williams 21 and that's where you can find us on instagram perfect let's end with a fire round of this or that yes so what would you choose sunrise or sunset sunset flowers or trees flowers hiking or surfing hiking green grass or autumn leaves oh autumn leaves driving or flying driving oh fun beach or mountains beach new destination or repeat destination Oh, new for sure. 
so fun hearing people's answers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm terrified of flying, really. So give me a road trip any day. That's great. I was like, that's a fun <laughs> answer that you picked road trip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, but I feel like the adventure in you would choose that. So that's awesome. Yes, for sure. All right. Thank you so much for being on today. And I'm sure we'll hear from you many more times again. <laughs> it was so great. Thank you all. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social media platforms. This podcast is produced by KP Media Productions.